My name is Trish Ware, and I am obsessed with all things pregnancy and birth, and helping you to navigate both the practical and the magical seasons of this journey called motherhood. I'm an all-day coffee-sipping mama of seven and labor and delivery nurse who took her expertise in the labor room and turned it into an online one-stop shop for mamas looking for powerful education and support. I've had the amazing privilege of delivering many babies in my 15 plus year career as a labor and delivery nurse and as a mama of seven. I'm here to help you take the guesswork out of childbirth so you can make the choices that are right for you and your baby and write the birth story of your dreams. So hit subscribe and let's replace your anxiety and fear with complete confidence. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not replace your medical advice. Check out our full disclaimer at the bottom of the show notes. guys. So today we're going to talk about the third stage of labor. The third stage of labor is the delivery of the newborn until the delivery of the placenta. So labor is done, pushing is done, but now it's in between newborn and the placenta coming in out. So we're going to talk about what that is, what it looks like, what might be happening, especially if you're having a hospital birth. If you're having a home birth, it will be a little bit different. So baby has just come out. What we are hoping for and what I want you guys to ask for is for the baby to be placed right on top of you, which we call skin to skin. Skin to skin does not mean having a blanket or a towel or a labor gown between you and baby. That means legit everything's open and off. Baby is directly on your skin. No diaper, nothing. Now, I always joke with my patients and with my students that I call a poopalicious birth. And this is if your baby comes out poopy meconium everywhere. Sometimes we might slip a diaper on them, but that is really up to you in your comfort zone. But preferably baby is on top of you without anything on the baby and nothing separating the two of you. What I teach my girls is we want it to be pretty hands off. Now, the labor nurses back in the day, we used to take a baby blanket and we'd be ready for the baby to come out and then we'd start rubbing and drying and cleaning off the vernix and cleaning up the baby, but we don't want that anymore. A light drying is okay, but not vigorous rubbing or drying. We don't want a hat on. We just want the baby on mama. Now, we can put a warm blanket over the two of you or you can wrap your gown around the two of you or like my labor gowns where you can stick the baby down inside of the gown but you really want the baby skin to skin now what is happening to baby in between the delivery of the baby and the placenta Typically in a hospital birth, you're going to have a nurse or someone who is completely there for the baby. So that is not your labor nurse. This might be another labor nurse or it might be a baby nurse. And that nurse is going to be watching your baby and she's going to be assessing visually the baby. She's going to listen to the baby's lungs. She's going to check the baby's pulse. And she's going to be making sure that the baby is transitioning from inside to outside properly 
regularly and she's going to be scoring the baby. So I'm sure you've heard the term APCAR score is a scoring system that we use to assess how well is the baby adjusting to life outside of mom. And that is APGAR. So A for appearance, what color is the baby? We've got P for pulse, for their heart rate, and then G for grimace. Is it crying? Is it grunting? We've got the A for activity and tone. Does that mean the baby is nice and has good tone or is the baby floppy? And then we've got R for respiration. And we're going to be giving them a score at one minute and at five minutes, depending on the five minutes. As long as the five minutes fine, we're not going to do one past that. We're going to score them from zero to two points, zero being not good, two points being great. So when it comes to appearance, what color is their skin? Are they pale? Are they blue all over? They're going to get no points. If they just have blueness in the peripheral, like in their arms and legs, they're going to get one point. If they're completely pink, they're getting two points. Then we're going to check their heart rate. Is it over 100? If it's less than 100, they're going to get one point. If it's zero, they're going to get zero points. If it's above 100, greater than 100, then they're going to get two points. For grimace, this means when you stimulate them, are they crying? Are they making a noise? Are they reacting? And so if they're really crying and screaming when I rub them, then they're going to get a two down to no response would be a zero. For their activity, are they floppy? That's a zero. If they have some what we call flexing or flexion, then this is going to be one point. And if they're really tight and tone is good, they're going to get two. For respirations, if there's no respirations, obviously a zero. All the way to strong respirations, they're going to get a two. Most babies are going to get like an eight for a one minute and a nine for five minutes. And this, again, depends on whether the labor nurse is scoring them or a baby nurse. Baby nurses are a little stingy with their numbers. Labor nurses are way more giving and we'll throw out a 9 and a 10, no problem. So the baby's going to be assessed while the baby's laying there. Again, we're going to listen to the heart rate and the respirations, and that can all be done on top of you. Now, depending on how well they are adjusting and depending on the APGAR score will tell me what do I need to do next. So if the baby has a low APGAR score, then they're going to need some sort of resuscitation and possibly they're going to be taken to the warmer for resuscitation. Now, there is a lean that's going towards resuscitating on top of mom, which makes so much sense because your baby actually naturally resuscitates it on itself on top of you. It not only is regulates their temperature, which is important, on top of mom, it also regulates their blood sugar, which is also important, and it also regulates their breathing. So all these important factors of transitioning to life outside of mama can happen on top of mom. So there is this new lean and trend towards resuscitation on top of mom, but not all places have gotten there yet. So I always tell my students inside of my birth classes that resuscitation tops everything. So if your baby is not breathing or your baby needs resuscitation, then yes, that's more important than skin to skin. However, immediate skin to skin can reverse a lot of things that might be going on. So again, baby's out, baby's on top of you. Now, what is baby doing? typically they're going to be acclimating to this world, right? They're going to be using their senses to figure you out. They're smelling you. They're hearing you. They're feeling you. They're seeing you. So you want to have them on your chest nice and close. I always say stay dirty. You've got that amniotic fluid and that vernix all over you. That helps them acclimate as well because it's familiar. Your voice is familiar. Your heartbeat is familiar. So it's just amazing. We're going to do a whole nother video and podcast on that as well. So babies on top of you, do you 
you have to force them onto your breast or any of that? No. Be laid back. All of those things you're doing right now is leaning towards a good breastfeeding start. And we'll talk about that in another episode as well. So now what is your provider? What are the providers doing? What's your labor nurse doing? So your labor nurse is usually right there at bedside. She's watching you. She's watching baby. And she's watching the doctor for signs and clues. So we're going to talk about a couple different ways that providers might manage the third stage of labor. So there's something called active management. Active management means they have their hands-on. They're going to give you a uterotonic medication after delivery, which is typically Pitocin. We're going to talk about that in a minute. They're going to clamp that cord, cut that cord, and they're going to control the umbilical cord, what we call traction or controlled pulling of the umbilical cord until the placenta separates from the uterine wall and is delivered. Because that's what we're waiting for. We're waiting for the placenta to separate from your uterus, from the uterine wall, and then come out. So if they're planning on doing an active hands-on method, then they're going to give you, like I said, a uterotonic medication. Typically, Pitocin is the one that we use, which is synthetic oxytocin, and that is usually the one we do. So a uterine tonic medication will cause contractions of your uterus. Some midwives and some providers that I work with will also use Cytotec, and they put it in your booty, and that's how that works. Nothing by mouth is going to work for postpartum hemorrhages or for management or what we would call like prophylactic treatment of potential postpartum hemorrhage. Something by mouth wouldn't work because think about it, it has to go through your digestive system and then you're not going to get as much plus it takes a while. So you're either going to get an injection of Pitocin or if you have an IV running, you're going to get Pitocin bolused into your IV. Typically, we're going to give you a 500 ml bag that has 20 units in it already and we're just going to put it in. Now, now, for most women in the U.S., we do a hybrid type of active management. I'm going to get there in a second. Another type of management, which is what I recommend for my students if they don't have any postpartum hemorrhage risk factors, is expected management, expectant management. And that is hands-off completely keeping their hands off. That means they're not going to give you medication. They're not going to cut and clamp. They're not going to clamp and cut the cord and they are not going to tug or pull or control pull the cord to get the placenta to come out. They're going to wait for that separation of the placenta from the uterine wall without any interventions, without getting in there and doing any of that. And usually with expected management, and I just did a workshop with another birth professional, we were talking about this, for her home birth with her second, the placenta wasn't coming out as quick. And so the midwife just had her stand up, push little, came out. So with an expective management or hands off, the placenta might be delivered by gravity or just spontaneously mom expels it. What we see more often in the U.S. now, like I've been a labor and delivery nurse for many years, for over 15 years, and been a birth educator since 2017, is a mixed like hybrid between active, between expectant. And that is usually using some Pitocin with the hands-off approach. So they're still giving you the medication, but they're not doing, they're not cutting, clamping and cutting the cord, and they're not doing any kind of controlled pulling of the cord. Really, all of this goes based on your risk of postpartum hemorrhage. So let's talk about what would be risk factors for a postpartum hemorrhage. 
let's say you had a very long labor or you had a lot of Pitocin, like you, what we call a serial induction, like days of being induced and lots of Pitocin. You had more than one baby. You had multiples. Or you've had a lot of babies like this girl because I've delivered six. So I'm very high risk for a postpartum hemorrhage. Or you had preterm light labor medications. Or you had magnesium for preeclampsia. Or something that would make your uterus not as apt to contract and constrict and go back to normal. Because that's what we're wanting. We're wanting that uterus to get nice and hard and firm and go back to its normal size. Postpartum hemorrhage is frightening and it is one of the leading causes of maternal deaths. I think 4% of women have a postpartum hemorrhage. So we need to be actively assessing and we need to be assessing your risk before delivery. You need to be educated on what we do and why we do it. And is it right for you? Because you have a right to make a decision. You have a right to refuse postpartum Pitocin. You have a right to do all these things, but should you? I tell my students, we don't want anything out of convenience or curiosity, but we also don't want to go into labor and delivery with hard no's and hard yeses because there is a reason for everything. The most common cause of a postpartum hemorrhage is called uterine atony. Uterine atony is when your uterus is staying soft and what we would call boggy and it's not concerned constricting and it's not constricting down back to its normal size. So it's not expelling all the blood and the tissue and getting back to its normal size. And that is the most common cause of postpartum hemorrhage. So one of the things that your nurse is going to be doing in that immediate postpartum after your placenta comes out and whether we've given you Pitocin or not, we're going to be assessing you every 15 minutes. We're going to have your blood pressure cuff ongoing, checking your pulse. We're going to be looking at you. Is she okay? What is she saying? Is she saying that she doesn't feel well? Is she lightheaded? Are we seeing any trends with her blood pressure and her pulse? And we're also going to be doing the dreaded fundal massage. Now, what I want to tell you about the fundal massage is that it doesn't have to be hell. It doesn't have to be horrible. Now, there are some nurses that do it very aggressively. It's not absolutely necessary. But one thing that I do when I do the first one, which is usually your provider will do it right after she's done stitching you up and getting you cleaned up. And I'll talk about that in a second, because that also happens right after the placenta is when she's going to do any repairs, which we'll do another podcast about that. I keep saying that, but that's a whole nother podcast. So once the provider's done, placenta's out, all is well, you're cleaned up. We've put some pads, we've put an ice pack on, we've gotten you up in the bed. Your nurse is going to move in and and now it's her territory. Everybody else is gone. Your nurse is going to turn the lights down. Baby's eyes are going to pop open during this active stage or alert stage. And she's going to start doing your fundal massages every 15 minutes for the first hour and then every half hour for the second hour. And what that means is going to go to the top of the fundus, which is right here, the top of the uterus, but now it's down here at your belly button and she's going to be finding it. So I'm going to be palpating your tummy and feeling like where is the fundus? Once I find it, I'm going to take my fist and kind of massage it to see what I'm feeling for is the tone of your uterus. Remember, I said uterine acne is the leading cause of postpartum hemorrhage. So I want to feel that it's nice and hard and firm. I don't want to 
to be mushy or boggy. And I'm going to also be looking at your vagina to see like what's coming out, like how much blood is coming out when I massage it. If a lot is coming out, then I might massage it longer. And I'm going to decide, am I comfortable with the amount that's coming out? And if I'm not, I'm going to get your provider back in. Then we might take some next steps. If you haven't had Pitocin, we might give you Pitocin. If we've given you Pitocin, but I'm still not comfortable with it, your provider is going to assess and we might take some higher level steps. If it's trickling out and it's not stopping, then I'm going to massage a little longer until I get that trickle to stop. Again, if it doesn't, I'm going to call your provider back in the room. And so we're going to be doing that every 15 minutes because we want to see the bleeding going down. We want to see your uterus nice and firm. And we want to see it staying right there in the middle. So right here at the belly button. I don't want it over. If it's deviated over, it might be telling me something isn't right. If it's staying boggy, then another cause of uterine postpartum hemorrhage could be tissue inside of your uterus, which maybe there's placenta or membrane left inside. So in that case, the provider might have to come in and get it manually, get that out of your uterus. Not fun. If that happened to you, sorry. But we need everything cleared out so that the uterus can contract down and you can get nice and healthy and move on to the postpartum room. So another cause of postpartum hemorrhage could be trauma, like tearing to the uterus or the cervix or the vagina, the perineum or the episiotomy. And the cause would is what we call thrombin. This is the least common cause of postpartum hemorrhage, maybe less than 1% of women. You may have a genetic or a known or unknown clot disorder, you may have low placentas, or some other reason that is causing you not to stop bleeding. Postpartum hemorrhage typically is when you have more than 500 mLs of blood within the first 24 hours. Now, you're going to see a lot of blood and you may think, holy crap, I've lost a lot of blood. This is way more than I should and I need help. But we're pretty used to it and we can assess that. It looks like a lot of blood, but typically it's not. And some women handle more blood loss. Some women uh, might have less than 500 loss and they are having signs and symptoms. If we feel that you've had a postpartum hemorrhage, we're going to assess on whether or not you need a blood transfusion. If you need a blood transfusion, then we're going to do that in labor and delivery before we ever send you over to postpartum typically. Severe postpartum hemorrhage would be considered greater than a thousand mLs lost in that first 24 hours. And typically when we have this blood loss, most often than not, these postpartum hemorrhages are going to happen when you're still in labor and delivery, but many happen over in the postpartum unit. And that's why assessment is so important. Speaking up, telling your nurse, if you don't feel right, if you feel dizzy, if you're seeing more blood than you're comfortable with, speak up and tell your nurse. So I hope this helps you guys just a little bit with the third stage of labor. I think we all talk about the first stage, which is early and active labor. And we all talk about the second stage, which is pushing and the fourth stage postpartum. But a lot of people don't talk about the third stage of labor. So I hope this helped you guys a lot. If you have any questions, make sure you shoot them over to me. If you're seeing the video on YouTube, put it in the comments. If you're listening to the podcast, be sure to hit subscribe and post a review. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the birth experience with labor nurse mama where I broke down the third stage of labor if you loved this episode and you want to hear more like it hit subscribe write a review and as always I'll see you again next Friday bye for now